0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for Cabin DeVolts. My name is David, and my co-host tonight is Lucy Liu. Once again, she's back. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucy is back. Lucy, what's up? How have you been?
1: (laughs) Hey. uh, I I don't know how to answer that anymore, but yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm really glad to be back.
0: Mr. Dave and Sue,
2: what's up? (laughs) Hi David, hi Lucy.
3: Hi. Can
0: hi. You hear your voice. Awesome. How how is Sue? Are you taking care of her?
3: I'm here. <laughs> and well taken care of. And she's back. <laughs>
2: but David, I don't know. I think that we're allergic to you here every time we do this podcast. We get a, we get a thunderstorm. It's like, oh, wow. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's the voice of the Lord right there. (laughs) Oh my
0: goodness. (laughs) Well, so we missed you uh, in the previous session, but it's great to have you. You know, I was thinking about how you guys met um, and I thought to myself, I think there is also some sort of, not bad luck. But <laughs> it, can't be, but, like, <laughs> but I was just looking back to the day we met, I don't know if you remember, we were stuck in traffic almost the whole day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, we were. but that's not what we remember. We remember having a wonderful time going with you all, and great conversations.
0: yes, it was awesome. It was I think it was also <laughs> ordained. let me put it that way, uh, by the Sovereign Lord. I think we had some great conversations. Um, that was awesome but it's great to have you Uh, you mean a lot to us uh, as a family I know you mean a lot to so many other families and so many people who have tuned in tonight I'm sure are going to benefit But Lucy please share with us what's up what's going on what are your expectations from today's show Lucy
1: my expectations well uh, it's just summarize it in one word wisdom wisdom because I I have a story. Do you you have time to listen to my story, David? A very short one. I actually wrote it down so it won't take long. (laughs) Go ahead, Lisa. And it will summarize my expectation. So yesterday, I happened to have two different conversations with two women at different times of the day. So the first was with an older lady who's been married 40 plus years, raised children, all grown now. And then the second was a mother who's been married about eight years. The two had one thing in common. It blows my mind that they each called with the same thing on their minds. Both are in a loveless relationship, marriage. They don't feel loved, valued or appreciated by their spouses. So in fact, they both feel emotionally abused, taken for granted and absolutely empty. Now, this, these are two generations. I spoke to two different generations and they both were saying the same thing. Now, first one may ask um, to the 40 plus year person, what has kept you going this long? And for the eight year married one, you may ask what in the world are you still doing there? But you know what? They both had the same answer. Can you guess what it is, David? Uh, (laughs) Okay, the answer is my children. Both like of them serious. said, "I am hanging in there for my children." Yeah. And yeah. what my expectation for today is just to glean wisdom on how how to be an encouragement to these two ladies. They are both on different totally different walks of life. they they don't they barely they rarely ever cross paths or anything. So they had nothing in common except this. So I thought it was really God-ordained that they called about the yesterday. Oh, when man. Today was the day when we're going to be mm. talking about this. Yeah. Mm. That's my expectation.
0: Well, 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 guys. That's pressure I for you, tonight. Sue. <laughs> <laughs> tonight yes. is going to be... I, I, I'm really, 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 really... Um, Waiting for tonight, I was, I was talking to Lucy earlier on today and I was telling her, I, I don't know what goes on in the in the minds of, of ladies. And so today I'm speechless, um, <laughs> if I can put it That's that true. way. But I, I do have a couple of thoughts um, in the sense that uh, things I would like to ask. And I, I know tonight we're going to find some answers. We're going to find some answers. Uh, but before we can do that, today I was feeling a bit uh, weak and uh, what's the word? Not under the weather, just weak and tired. I think it's been hot. I don't know if it's just me. I've tried to drink so much water. But I sat down a few minutes ago to try and look up some songs for 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 the, the Christian songs towards mothers and, and, and wives. And there's this song that I found that I want to play for you guys, ladies who are here. It, I almost cried just listening to it. It, it. I think it's a song written by a mother, too. Um, their child, who they believe is growing up so fast. And uh, so Grace returns home and tells me, we're coming from the saloon, and uh, the girls want to do their nails as well. Now I'm talking about eight-year-olds. I'm talking about four-year-olds, <laughs> girls who want to do their nails as well and they're just growing up so fast and i think for moms who have spent tireless uh, i mean days just looking after children um it's it's this is just an appreciation uh, for that and i I, i'm more like to say for the first time it really helped me understand what moms just go through in thinking about uh, their children growing up really really fast and i think this will bless you if you're a mom yeah
4: to you, you were pink or blue, and everything I wanted, here's to you, never sleeping through, from midnight till the morning, had to crawl before you walked, before you ran, before I knew it, you were trying to free your fingers from my hand, cause you could do it on your own.
0: full song just look out for me called nordman the song is called slow down slow down and uh you know today i was thinking about some of the questions and i tried to think to myself what would dave and sue say to my questions and so i thought about their answers and i thought to myself i think dave would go back to genesis to try and answer my questions. So I also went back to Genesis. <laughs> I went back to Genesis and to try and look for more questions from Genesis. But there's one that Lucy has alluded to and seems to be a fallback to a lot of ladies stuck um, um, in their marriages. Uh, and I don't want to say ladies because if a lady is stuck, even the man is stuck um, in, 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 in more like a, a very difficult place and this really comes back to the cast in Genesis chapter 3 and at this point I want to say when husband and wife are just married they're more like Adam and Eve in chapter 2 they're naked and I'm ashamed but usually and always and most of the time sin comes in and spoils this very beautiful wedding as God had, had put it uh, because this man looks at his wife and says this shall be this is born of my bones uh, and she shall be called woman, and, and that excitement all of a sudden is gone because of sin. But we come down, and last week we looked at the curse uh, for man when he says, "Because you have done this, because you have listened to your wife, cast is the ground, cast is the ground." But it comes to verse sixteen in chapter three, and says to the woman, "I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing; in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband." but he shall rule over you and then we fast forward and we come all the way now to ephesians 5 and we seem to see god again instructing the husband and the wife the husband to love uh, his wife just as christ loved the church but to the lady he says you shall respect your husband respect your husband and I've listened to so many commentaries and and, and read several where they say it's easier. The man, the the lady naturally loves. She naturally loves. But when it comes to the respect, it's kind of difficult. And and maybe, I don't know if Sue can answer this. Why is it so difficult um, for the ladies? Why? Why? I know you're going to go back and say because of sin, but help me understand why is that difficult? Um, to be able to take a man's opinion and leadership in a home. What causes that? Is it culture? Is it... What would you point to and say this is the central place uh, that if someone can be able to figure this out, it will be easier and easier?
3: Well, I don't know that if we could figure it out, we could make it easier because w- what happened is in the garden, in sin... Both Eve and Adam went exactly against what they were supposed to do. Eve was supposed to encourage Adam to obey God and to lead. Instead, she led and disobeyed God and encouraged Adam to follow her. And, um, so when the discipline came, it wasn't that God said, this is how I want it to be. He said, this is how you wanted it. This is how you are going to naturally act. And it's going to take a supernatural act of God, of the Holy spirit in your lives to, um, to revert that, to, to make it the opposite. So our natural bent as women is to want to lead to want to think that that we know better and that we will respect our husbands, but only if they deserve it. And I think the natural bent for men is, sure, I'll love my wife if she deserves it. And yet God doesn't say to do that if you deserve it. We are to do that in obedience to him. And so it's going against um, what the discipline was given to us, it's hard because this is how um, we have been disciplined. We are going to want to do what we shouldn't do. And yet with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we do have the ability to respect and to submit the same as men do have the ability to sacrificially love their wives with through the power of the Holy Spirit.
2: I thought that was a wonderful answer.
0: Okay, Um, I'm really trying to find. I'm. I'm, If you ask me for my expectation for tonight, my expectation tonight is for us to to just move that balance back uh, to where it ought to be for some harmony uh, to be able to uh, prevail uh, in our marriages. I'm not saying it's caused by one person, but once. Those roles fall out of place. And I think, Dave, that's why you chose these very two, three important topics. One, singleness being the foundation, but the role of the husband uh, being understood by men, but also the role of the wives being understood by the wives. But here's something I also found difficult to understand. This is my last question. I won't hand over to Lucy from there on. Is um, people afraid of marriage? Why? Because it seems to just cause so much trouble. And yet, human beings naturally love to have people around them. They they love to have friends around them. And so my question is, really, what goes wrong when we get married? What's the difference? Why? Because we enjoy the dating. And these issues don't seem to be coming up when we are friends. And it looks like dating and friendships is the Genesis chapter 2. But then marriage is a Genesis chapter 3. All the trouble begins to rain down. Why is it that some of these, why can't we just be friends, someone may ask, as husband and wife, without expectations? Why can't we just be, because we seem to be doing well while we were dating. But now we got married and things changed. That can be a question someone would ask. Why? Why is that so?
2: That's to you, Dave and Sue, who have been my... Oh, I'm sorry. Now. I thought that was for Lucy. <laughs> you know, uh, David, that that's that's a, a, a great question. But uh, I, I think we need to understand how marriage reveals the essence of the selfishness of our hearts. It took place in Genesis chapter 3, uh, but it, it's been the case since then with all of us there's a a great book in in english called when sinners say i do and the the reality is that as sinners our natural bent is to want what we want when we want it and how we want it in marriage in a christ-centered marriage we gradually learn not i but Christ. And so marriage is a wonderful laboratory, much better than dating or courtship or engagement when everything can look wonderful because we're, we're not rubbing shoulders all of the time and we even enjoy serving the other. But once that commitment is sealed in marriage, we daily reveal our own selfishness. And and marriage is a wonderful laboratory for us to have the other-centeredness of Christ exposed in our lives and for us to be made into Christ's image. So not that you can't have that happen in singleness, but you must have relationships and close relationships, even as a single person, if you want to become more like christ the very image of god in man the image of the triune god is revealed in relationships so marriage does that if you want to really learn how how proud and self-centered and egocentrical you are then not don't just get married but have children as well because Mm -hmm. with a wife with a husband with children we are called to lay down our lives and everything in us wants to protect our lives and get what we want we see that from genesis 3 when adam has the opportunity to protect his wife or protect himself and sin his sin nature leads him to protect himself so it's all a question of perspective when sinners say i do we begin a process in which each of us is chiseling the image of the other centered image of christ in in each other we talked about that on wednesday in our program
0: Interesting. Wow. It's, it's the ultimate relationship. And if you want to know who you really are, it's tested in a relationship. I was listening to Tim Keller today, and uh, one of the things he said about our marriage, I think it was a statement he made, he said that uh, we're in a marriage relationship with God. And I think we've shown God, I'm now paraphrasing, we've shown God the worst of marriage because our marriage with god is the worst it's the ultimate relationship and yes it tests and yet it tests who we really are as uh, as human beings but thank you so much dave i think i love uh, the approach you're giving in relation to marriage is simply wanting to be like christ wanting to be like christ and i think that is every person's uh goal for as long as uh, their believers. Lucy, do you have any question for Dave uh, before we can give Dave his 30 minutes uninterrupted?
1: Um, maybe just to add to it, since it's the role of wife and mother, um, looking into this, there's a whole debate that's become way bigger now than it was before about uh, ladies working working um, going having a call it a day job or an eight to five away from home and actually staying at home so there's that whole um, those who go to work feel guilty that they have not stayed home with their children those who stay home want to be out working and there's just the balance is a hard one and it's not that those who are working most of them would want to be home with their children but the economy just does not allow for that for many, many, many of them. Um, so, where does a, a a wife and mother find that reconciliation in her heart and mind uh, with her God given role as a wife and mother?
2: Okay, that's a that's going to be we we are we will talk about that during our our time together. That's a a great question and it is one that. Uh, is being asked everywhere in the world, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: All right.
0: Hey, today, I'm waiting for two questions that Lucy has posted that I think uh, mm-hmm. someone else mentioned. They can't wait for the answer. A loveless marriage, one with 40 year, uh, someone who's in marriage 40 years. And then uh, I think the other one was eight. Lucy, you mentioned? Um, yeah, it, and the and common answer of, I'm in it for my children, i mean in need for my children, and uh, I don't think, anyway, but let's wait and see. Ladies and gentlemen, let's pray together, and then I'll invite Dave, shall we? Heavenly Father, we uh, want to commit our time before you, asking that uh, you speak to each one of us, whether gentlemen or ladies, married or single, that today you prepare our hearts and remind some of us. Um, to be who you want us to be uh, for the mothers who are here. Um, just pray for each one of us that you will soften our hearts uh, to be supportive of our spouses, to be supportive of our friends in whatever capacity we are in. We pray for wisdom uh, for Dave and Sue. We know the Lord, you bless blessed them with so much wisdom uh, over years to be able to have answers for these uh, questions. But we pray that your Holy Spirit and your Word will minister to us and just. Uh, Give us a heart of flesh uh, that will be drawn towards you and that will not be defensive and stuck in our old ways, but will turn around in repentance uh, to follow you and be just like your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Dave and Sue, you're welcome. Dave, thank you so much. We will start our 30 minutes here. Uh, I, I did want to give some initial thoughts on Lucy's question based on her conversations with these two women. First, it's it's very sad to hear these kinds of reports. And it actually makes me very angry, angry specifically at the husbands, because the things that we talked about in our program on Wednesday, which I would recommend uh, for those who, who did not have an opportunity, uh, because the role of the husband sets the tone for the family, We could say that 95% of the problems in the home trace themselves back to leadership. Uh, Obviously, there are exceptions, but unfortunately, it is often uh, the man's responsibility, just as, yes, David, once again, Genesis chapter 3, God called the man forward to give an answer to what had happened in the garden. Uh, There are exceptions. There are difficult women who do not fulfill their roles, but unfortunately, oftentimes, it is the the man's responsibility. I do have a question for women who find themselves in such a difficult marriage situation, And, and that is a question that is raised in a wonderful book by Gary Thomas called Sacred Marriage. And even on the front cover of the book, he asked this question, what if God's plan for your marriage was to make you holy rather than happy. With that perspective, when we understand that marriage is perhaps God's primary instrument to mold us into the image of Christ, it can change our perspective. None of us can change our spouse. Only the Holy Spirit using the word of God can transform the heart of another. We can be instruments of change, but we cannot guarantee. The only thing we can do is allow the Holy Spirit to change ourselves. The book even talks about one of the most famous presidents in the United States, Abraham Lincoln, in almost all surveys, he is listed as one of the the greatest presidents in the history of the United States. But in almost every survey, his wife is also listed as the worst first lady in the history of the United States. And the question Gary Thomas makes is, is, is that a coincidence? that the best president was married to the worst wife? It's possible to you ladies that God is transforming you into that jewel, that pearl, that precious pearl of great price in a bad marriage, a hard marriage. And your faithfulness will be rewarded eternally. Seventy years of a difficult marriage is nothing in comparison to 700,000 trillion years in which you will enjoy the rewards of your faithfulness to Christ. And I I would just want to encourage you that that is what God is actually doing, is probably doing in your life. You cannot change your husband, but you are responsible for changing your own life. And that is what God would like to produce, even in a difficult marriage. And the same would be true, of course, for husbands in that situation. Uh, I could summarize a lot of what we've said both Wednesday and today this way. The Spirit of God uses the word of God to remake men and women into the image of God. That is our bigger perspective. And when we look at Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 and 1 Peter chapter 3, we see that process where what God is doing in our lives in the home, who we are at home is the real me. That's who I am. The the golden mask that we so often wear out in society, in our churches, at our jobs, someplace, sometime has to fall. We can't carry it. It's too heavy. And normally we let that mask of appearances, of performance fall at home. That's why in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians 3, we have parallel commands that say, Be filled with the Spirit, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with the Spirit is Ephesians 5. The word dwelling on us richly is Colossians 3. But when we look at those two passages, the principal results of the Spirit controlling my life through the word of God indwelling me is manifested in the home and so in both passages the apostle paul talks about some other evidences of spirit filling but he focuses on the home women who voluntarily submit to their husbands in obedience to christ men who love their wives totally against their nature children who obey and honor their parents it's against their nature parents who will dedicate time to instruct and discipline shepherd their children The Holy Spirit puts his finger on those, those areas of our lives which are most sensitive and which were most affected by the fall. And by his spirit and by his word wants to remake us into the image of Christ. Now, what we want to do today is talk about how the spirit and the word can do that in the role of the wife and the mother. And and once again, God is not silent in multiple texts. He talks about the woman's role, and we need to understand that with a a degree of balance. So I'd like my wife uh, to read the first text and comment on it. It's Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5.
3: But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine, Older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled." So here in um, in Titus, we have a whole, um, almost like a curricula of what um, Titus or the pastors are to teach the older women so that the older women in turn can teach the younger women how to do the things that God wants them to do. Unfortunately, we don't see that happening very much. We don't see many pastors investing in older women so that they know how to invest in younger women and even if there were that we see so many older women who do not want to invest in the younger women i would say that most of the women of my generation have not done the job that they are supposed to do of encouraging young wives and young mothers how to love their husbands and their children how to be busy at home um oftentimes they discourage them and teach them exactly what they shouldn't be teaching them. So we have a whole, um, a whole society that has not followed these orders. And I think that is a very big reason why we see so many younger wives and mothers confused as to what, what their role should be.
2: This passage in Titus chapter 2 already offers a a preview of an answer to the question that was also raised about working women, working women outside of the home. Uh, Nothing in Scripture says that they cannot do that. In fact, when we look at the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, she is extremely industrious. Of the 22 verses of the poem of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, half of them talk about the economic benefit that she brings to the home. But once again, it is centered in the home. There is coming a day when every woman who is in Christ, has been converted, has been saved, will appear between, before the Bema seat of Christ. And her works will be evaluated. Not the great white throne judgment, that would be for unbelievers. But for those of us who know Christ, we will stand before Jesus and we will be evaluated for the loss of reward or for the giving of reward. We, the, a woman will never be asked, why didn't she sell one more such and such? Why didn't she have a better contract? But she will give an answer to God for whether she loved her husband as she was asked to do, whether she loved her children, whether she cared for her home. The other things are valid, legitimate supports to her family, but they're extras. The things that God will require from her. We see in Titus chapter two. Now there's another passage in first Timothy chapter two, which extends this to the children. It's a a very polemical passage because it also talks about how much women can or should do in public ministry in the church. But listen to what first Timothy two,
3: eight through 15 says, I desire that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, yet she will be saved, delivered through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control.
2: The last verse in that text talks about how godly women, those who God has called to marry and to have children, he has allowed to have children, will be evaluated. They will be not saved in a spiritual sense, but delivered from what seems to be a lesser role in public ministry because she will be a kingmaker. She will be investing in a future generation that so few value today. As we look at our our children, God granted us um, five children through biological birth and one adopted daughter that we adopted when she was 10 years old. But when we look and see the kind of impact that they are having in the world, uh, even though we're still active in ministry in our early 60s, we feel sometimes like we could just sit back and watch what they are doing as they serve God. Um, two of our sons as pastors, our son-in-law as a pastor, their godly, faithful wives, our daughters serving the Lord and and multiplying a ministry. So many women who decide to have a career and focus on that and not have children, and, and they turn 60 or 65 years of age, and they look back, and they, they may have a nice car and a place to live, but... But they don't have a legacy and so i look at what my wife has been able to accomplish even as she has done other jobs focused through the home and teaching our children the legacy is eternal and that is where our focus needs to be i want to turn our attention like we did with the men we talked about god chiseling the image of christ in men i'd like to be a little more gentle today as we share about what I would call the Mona Lisa. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with a famous portrait in France uh, by Leonardo da Vinci, uh, in which he used some strategic, innovative brush strokes and shadowing and a use of background scenery uh, to draw out the Mona Lisa. Uh, we're going to talk today about God's brush strokes in which he paints the portrait of a godly woman and what that looks like, the role of the wife and mother. So we're also going to do five, to be fair, since we gave five chisel marks in the life of the men. We have five brushstrokes from the divine artist as he paints the role of the wife and mother. Number one is this. And yes, David, we're back in Genesis. A godly woman complements Her husband, a godly woman, compliments. No compliment in the sense of, oh, honey, you're so wonderful. Oh, I think you're handsome. You're so strong. But in the
3: sense of completing. Here's
2: what Genesis chapter 2 says.
3: The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him.
2: Even from the creation, we discover that man was not complete. That's what God means when he said it was not good. Now he did not make a slave for the man. He made a helper fit or suitable for him. Many women think that this is a very subversive putting down uh, on the part of the man to the woman or from God to the woman. But it is to the contrary. The word translated helper is a fascinating t- term in the scriptures. It, it's the, the Hebrew word ezer or ezer. Ezer. That word, which we find in names like Eliezer or in the place in in 1 Samuel, Ebenezer, stone of help, or God is my help, Eliezer. The word was only used of two people in all of the Old Testament Hebrew. Twice in this passage, it is used of the woman and all of the other texts, and there are many. That word refers to God himself. God is our helper. He is our refuge and strength. Psalm 121 is perhaps the best known text when it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where will my ezer come from? My ezer comes from the Lord. My help. God placed out beside the man a compliment who would encourage him to fulfill God's tasks in his life, to obey God's word, to lead in the garden. The woman was made to complete the man. The next word suitable is also fascinating because it kind of describes what one hand is to the other. If you, our listener, were to lift up your two hands and place one on top of the other, you quickly see that the hands are not identical, but they are very similar. If you place one hand in front of the other, your fingers interlock and strengthen each other. The word suitable means that. It means someone who is like him, but different enough from him to be able to complement him. Now, here's a word for husbands and fathers and men. God has made men as the leaders of their homes like a coach is the leader of his team. It is our job as men to strategically position our wife, each of our children in the place where he or she will be most effective for God's kingdom. Now, there are some questions that we need to ask to the women in the audience today, just as we did to the men, some tests. If you are truly being a complement, a helper suitable to your husband.
3: Wife, do you play on your husband's team or on your own team? Do you see your relationship as both of you on the same team or are you both headed in different directions? As a couple, are you independent from each other or interdependent on each other, each depending on each other instead of away from each other? Are you a refuge for your husband and children? Is it a goal of yours to make your home a safe place for them? Do your differences serve to complete each other or to compete with each other?
2: Someone has said in marriage, if two people always agree, then one of them is probably unnecessary. Men ought to recognize in their wives a helper suitable who can complement them to accomplish the tasks that God has for them. It's interesting in the Genesis narrative that the woman was taken from a rib from Adam's side. The ribs that we have protect our vital organs, and the wife has that role in protecting the heart of her husband, but she's also taken from his side to be protected by him, to fit underneath his arms and to compliment him. Number two, a godly woman blesses her husband and her home. She is a blessing to everyone in her family. I'm going to read these verses because, to me, they describe my wife, and I want you to hear from a husband's perspective what that means. Proverbs twelve four: an excellent or virtuous wife is the crown of her husband. The idea is she is his fountain of glory, source of glory, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The next verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 1, describes the power of a woman to make or break her family. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. You may very well know of women who have done that in their own families. What a tragedy when the woman, who is in some sense a, a backbone of the family, destroys her own family by her selfishness her contentious spirit her constant dripping of complaining and gossip and griping proverbs 18:22 says he who finds a wife reminds us of adam in genesis chapter 2 finds a good thing after god made eve before he had said it was not good for the man to be alone but after he made eve he said it is very good she made the difference. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And Proverbs nineteen fourteen I love, says this, house and wealth are inherited from fathers. And it's a good thing. It's a, a nice thing. It's a shame that our predecessors pass away. But a blessing comes to us when we receive an inheritance. House and wealth are inherited from fathers. But a prudent wife. A godly wife, a virtuous wife is from the Lord. Can you imagine for us men the blessing? It would be one thing to receive an inheritance from Steve Jobs or from Bill Gates or from some other multimillionaire. You can get a house and you can get wealth. But imagine getting an inheritance from God, the creator of the universe. A godly woman is a blessing to her husband. In every sense. And the poem to the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, that lady who characterizes wisdom says that of her. Listen to what Proverbs 31 says in verses 11, 12, and 23.
3: The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land.
2: We find in Proverbs 31, the description of a woman who lives to bless her husband and children. She makes them who they are. She is a king maker, whether she has the support of her husband or not. Here's some tests for you women. And remembering for the single gals who are listening, this is an objective. For the men, this is not a shopping list of what you're looking for, although it does help us to understand what godliness looks like in a woman. But for you wives and mothers, this is not to be a guilt trip, but a goal and a focus of prayer for your lives.
3: Wife, are you a blessing to your husband and family? Do you consciously aim each day to bless the members of your family as a priority of your life? Are you worthy of your husband's trust with finances, with your speech? Do you enable your husband to be all he can be as a leader? Do you follow his leadership or do you always go ahead? We've seen that a godly woman
2: compliments her husband. She is a helper suitable. She blesses her husband and her home. Thirdly, a godly woman, and here comes what for some is a dirty word, a godly woman submits to her husband. There is so much confusion, and yet we have four passages in the New Testament after the fall and after redemption in Christ which revert back to that idea of a helper suitable, except God puts it on an even higher plane. When a woman lines herself up, that is the biblical meaning of the Greek word submit. It is to line up. It is a military term to be in file Following behind your leader, supporting your husband in the fulfillment of the mission that God has given to him. When a woman does that, she illustrates for the world the very way in which the Holy Spirit lines up beneath Jesus Christ. How Jesus lines up beneath the Father. How the church lines up beneath Jesus. It's kind of like a, a hinge on a door. If you were to look at a common hinge, it has the same metal on all sides and the central pin and the rings that hold the pin in place. It probably all came from the same quarry. But to function well, the hinge has to have an alignment. When the hinge is not aligned, when one piece is out of place, it makes a squeaky, irritating noise. <laughs> but when the hinge is lubricated and every piece, even though it is equal in being, it is different in doing each piece has a different function. There is smoothness and functionality. Listen to the four texts that talk about this in the scriptures.
3: Colossians three eighteen: wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 1 Peter three, one, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Titus two, three through five, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, Pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And Ephesians five twenty two through twenty four, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands.
2: Submission is not unique to the woman. It is not inferiority. We are equal in being but different in doing, just as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equal in the Godhead, and yet there is subordination. There is an aligning between them. We even read about that in 1 Corinthians 11 when it says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. When a woman lines up underneath the leadership of her husband, as Eve did not do, she is submissive to Christ. If she takes herself out from under her husband and Christ, she is in danger. If her husband refuses to follow Christ, she must remain submissive to Jesus. Now here are some
3: hard tests for the wives. Wife, do you offer submission from the heart to your husband as an act of worship to God? Does the way in which you align yourself under your husband's authority exemplify the relationship between Christ and the church? Do you encourage and support your husband in the fulfillment of the tasks that God has given him?
2: We're going to stop with a fourth item. The fifth one deals with the woman investing in her children. But that is a whole other subject. Number four says this. A godly woman respects Her husband. We've already talked a bit about this, but once again, we're back to Genesis chapter 2. The idea of a helper fit, which is reflected in Ephesians 5 in submission to the leadership in her support and encouragement, we can say that she becomes her husband's greatest fan. She is also her children's greatest fan, but she respects her husband. Ephesians 5 finishes by this. This statement, this mystery talking about husband's leadership and wife's submission, husband's love, is profound. But I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Everything a husband does in loving his wife and the wife does in lining herself up and respecting her husband is a reflection to the world of Jesus and the church. But then he says this, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. That's for the men and let the wife see that she respects her husband the word respect is actually the word fear and it relates back to the fear of the lord in the old testament which involved awe and reverence and respect but also love and kindness and gentleness and and nearness It's something that we see in Sarah in first Peter chapter three, which says that Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. Now we joke and my wife and I, I don't ever want her to just say to me, Lord and master. (laughs) But the idea is that when Sarah did this referring to Genesis 18, Abraham wasn't even present. She was uh, conversing with the angels. And she called Abraham her Lord. When he wasn't even present, she demonstrated a profound level of respect. God asks women not just to feel respect, but to demonstrate respect to the point that her husband feels respected, both publicly and privately. Here are some tests.
3: Does your husband feel respected by you, that you are his biggest fan It's easy for us to say, oh yeah, I respect my husband, but does he feel it? Is the tone of voice that I use or the look in my eyes, the look on my face, is that communicating respect to him so that he feels it? Can he count on your support even when you don't agree with his decisions? Are you your husband's biggest fan? Does he know that the whole world could turn against him, but you're there, you're in his corner and you will be beside him, encouraging him all the way.
2: Our time is done. The last principle is that a godly woman invests in her children. We can leave that for some other program. If David allows someday, here's the last idea, the big idea of everything we've shared in Christ. The wife and mother in a supernatural way totally against every fiber and every grain of her being in Christ the wife and mother can be the Eve that Eve never was just as the man can be the Adam that Adam never was when the Holy Spirit controls a woman's heart when the Word of God fills her life and the Spirit uses that word to make her into the image of Christ she can be the woman and the mother, the wife and the mother that God always intended her to be. David, back to you.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, you, thank so you much. very much. That's, that's very, very helpful information. in just remembering to compliment the wife's role to compliment her husband, bless her husband, submit to her husband and respect Um that's. These are key things for us to remember. All of us, ladies, even even the unmarried ones, can remember these things. Remember these things. Um, one thing that has stood out for me, David, is in what um what what you mentioned, Dave, about the bema seat, that yeah. one day we will stand before Christ and our works will be evaluated, and uh, Christ is not going to ask about um what. What we did with our day job, well, he, he may, but it's not a primary thing. The primary thing is based on the role he gave us as a wife and a mother, our faithfulness in loving our husbands and our children.
2: Yes. Um,
1: Excellent. An eternal legacy. That 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 is a major take home for me. So thank you very, very much for this. Yes, over to you, David.
0: Awesome. Awesome thanks, uh, Lucy. Uh, thank you so much Dave. Um, I would like to respect your time as well Dave, but um, I, I, I feel like if you have time, you can uh, maybe conclude with the last principle because I believe it was it was, it was also central to Lucy's first question um, especially because these ladies both had the primary reason for staying in their marriage as, as children. And and yet sometimes I feel like sometimes children can be an excuse, but it's also a foundation that can uh, is shaky. I don't think it's a reason good enough for someone to remain in their marriage. And I know slowly we are beginning to slip towards uh, divorce. And okay, but I, I I I would want to hear your view on. Um, on the on the ladies' role uh, for children, uh, especially raising children, and I, th- I also believe it ties into Lucy's second question, where some ladies are caught in between having to work full time because if you consider a traffic jam, if you consider how many the requirements from a job eight to five is is quite a very high expectation uh, for a mum to be both a mum and uh, employed, but how do we balance the two? And I I think there might be some answers when it comes to uh, that last principle you were going to sh- uh, share with us. But I don't know. You may be in a hurry to go somewhere, but if you don't... No, mind, no, no,
2: we're, we're fine. We're, we're fine, here. David. No. I'm going to let Carol Sue uh, address um, so, uh, uh, some of those principles here.
3: Um, David, you are correct in saying that the children um, should not be the only reason a woman stays in a marriage The reason a woman decides to stay in the marriage should be out of obedience to God. When she made her vows, she made them before God and man, and God expects us to keep our promises, and God hates divorce. So if for no other reason than out of obedience to God and an understanding that our marriage is to be a reflection to the world on who God is and how Jesus relates to the church. Even when the church isn't always such a wonderful, loving partner, Jesus is always faithful and stays in the relationship. So remembering that we are reflecting those that relationship to the world is an extremely important thing. Obviously, it is better for the children for us to stay in the marriage, but that shouldn't be the driving force. Um, So it's out of obedience to God and for and knowing what our marriage, what the purpose of our marriage is, that that is why we need to stay in the marriage and allow God to use it to make us into the people that he wants us to be remembering um, the verses in Romans eight, 28 and 29, that God loves us enough to make everything makes all things work together for good, because, Everything God is big enough and capable enough to use it to make me look more like Christ. So if I can hand over my difficulties and my problems to God and trust that somehow he's going to make all of this turn out for good in the process He's making me look more like Christ. That is definitely a good thing. So we need to remember all of those things. Now, the fifth principle was a godly woman invests in her children. Um, We're told, and and it's just not just the woman that needs to invest in her children, the men as well. But um, there are verses that are specifically to the women and investing in their children. And, We only have, especially in first Timothy and in Titus, um, we have such a short time to do that. And the first years in our children's lives are so important and foundational in, um, in molding their character and teaching them about God and in reaching their hearts so that they have a heart that hungers and thirsts after God and after his word so that they as a young child can see that they are in desperate need of a savior because they cannot in their own strength obey what God has called on them to do that that is a mother's job to be there and showing them and um, much more than providing the best clothing or the biggest house or the latest video game. It's so much more important to be there, to reach their hearts, to point them to the cross, to bring them, to point them to the gift of salvation. So they accept the Lord and then to help them to grow and be Godly people with with character that is so much more important than anything um, anything in, um, that we could give them. So it is definitely a woman's and a mother's job to invest in her children. Now, I know some are in very difficult circumstances. Some women are single moms. They, they for some reason, either their husband died or he left them. And so they do have to provide. And for these moms, it is Definitely a challenge, but she needs to constantly remember the priorities that God has given her. Um, When you look at the priorities God has called you, if you are married, to prioritize your husband, you are the only person in the entire world who can be that man's wife. So do it well. And if God has given you children, you are the only woman in the world who can be those children's moms. So take that job seriously. Now, if you still have time and you can still fit in a career, a job, fine. But remember, what are your priorities and make sure that you do those well.
2: There you have it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I, I mean, when you mentioned those last words right there, I think everything else just zoomed in right there in, 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 when you mentioned that you're the only one that can be uh, those children's mother. And I, I believe it applies to the men as well. We're the only ones uh, that can be our wives' husbands. So we better do that well. We better do that well. But thank you, thank you so much. I don't know if Lucy has any more questions, but I believe that uh, most of them have been answered um,
1: yeah, I want to but they're, they're all answered. I'm, they're I'm all content. answered. <laughs> awesome,
0: awesome, awesome. Guys, I also want to respect your time and uh, just come to the end of the show. I want to make one more request, um, maybe for Dave and Sue. How may we pray for you? How may we pray for you? We may not hear from you in a long while, though my heart and prayer goes towards you giving me a debt in the year 2021, when you can be available, so I can schedule you on our calendar. The calendar is pretty empty, and so <laughs> you almost have a blank check right there. Just give me a date when you can be available, and we can talk about that uh, on email. But okay. how can we pray for you, Dave and Sue? How may
2: we pray for you? Well, I do appreciate that, and when, we had great joy in sharing in these podcasts, and you can count on us. Um, we, we have a YouTube channel here in Brazil that has over 100 programs on child rearing. And, uh, and now we're doing the husband-wife relationship. Uh, so uh, God has been blessing that, I guess. Uh, it's yeah, it's all in Portuguese at this point, unfortunately, for your listeners. Uh, I would say that you could pray for all of these, these outreaches uh, between our books. I'll be working in the next two months during our school recess, on a number of writing projects. Uh, we also uh, are constantly producing live programs and podcasts and um, and YouTube channel films and all of those kinds of things. So uh, from a ministry standpoint during the next two months, that God would bless all of those, especially I was at the publishing house this week on Tuesday in Sao Paulo, and there are four or five writing projects that they would very much like us to, to produce. and. Uh, By God's grace, everywhere we go in Brazil and a number of other countries, uh, people have been using our texts uh, to transform their families. So you could pray for that.
0: Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Lucy to pray for those things at the the end. But uh, just a couple of things. One more question for you, Dave. Uh, How many books have you written so far? I know the profile I looked up had 16. There should be more than that by now.
2: Yeah, well, there's there are 17, depending on how, how you count. Uh, the the biggest of which was an 800-page commentary on every biblical passage that talks about marriage and the family. So uh, that is that that and by God's grace, that's already in a second edition here in Brazil. And uh, it's, it's being used um, both at a seminary level, by pastors to help them preach, as well as couples that just want to know what God te- talks about the family. And now we have several more uh, projects. In fact, one that I'd like, my son doesn't even know this yet, but I'm uh, going to our, one of our, our sons who are pastors, but one who's been a number of years as, as a preaching pastor, I'd like to write a book on preaching with him. So that's one of the projects we have in, in mind. If your people want to look, it might be difficult and and maybe I don't, but, um, four of our books we have put done in English and they are on Amazon Kindle. Uh, so if they just look up our last name, they will, they can find four of our titles and we will be translating more and making them available to word of life teams around the world for them. If they choose to, to publish them in their own countries and their own languages, um, so that's good for you to know about that as well.